And I pray that we would be found way beyond the cross, eating of the food beyond the starting point. And we would be moving towards the end, this glorious end, pressing on as mature saints. So you've heard our prayers, but Lord, I pray we would realize that you want to change us. Yes, you want to change those around us, but you want to change us to be the full stature of yourself. Which means, guys, that you have to bring and let your walls come down. So God's power does the work, but if we resist him, then his power can't do the work because he's gentle. He's respectful. He will do what you ask. And he won't do what you don't ask. So you have to let the walls down for the power to come in. You see, two can't walk together unless they agree. And we've only ever probably thought that's two people, but it's Christ in you. If we don't agree with Christ, then how can you walk with Christ? He's not walking away from you, but he wants to walk with you. You can walk on your own and he can stay in one place and you can be in his shadow, but he wants you to be in his substance. His shadow will cover you because he is the substance. And like you can be in in the shadow of a tree, but not actually be in the vine. So the sun shines on the tree and you can get shade from the tree the vine but you're not in the vine he wants you in the vine he's in you but he wants sorry yeah he's in you but are you in him so we do pray for everyone that's sick and we pray for everyone that needs to be justified but father I pray that the church I pray for you guys I pray for myself that we would understand Jesus Christ not words about Jesus Christ but Jesus himself Jesus is the power of God 1 Corinthians 1 says Jesus is the power of God he's the wisdom of God he is the truth he is the light he is the way all hidden treasures are found in Christ and if Christ is revealing himself in the church then he's building the church And the church that he's building, the gates of Hades, do not overpower this church. Which means the flesh and the enemy do not overpower this church. You have been born, created, before the foundations of the world. God saw you before you ever breathed breath. And he bore you and you were in his heart to be the apple of his eye, to be his lover. I hope you can hear what I'm saying spiritually. Before you ever were, before the foundations, before in the beginning ever was in the beginning, the Bible says that he chose you to be holy and blameless before him. Is that the most incredible promise any human being can know 
that before you ever entered life, you were chosen. Before the world even began, before the first thing was spoken, you were chosen to be what? Holy and blameless, the apple of his eye, the lover of his soul. That you would spend your entire eternity, eternity this close to your creator, your father, your lover, your friend, your groom, your savior, your Lord. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, Yahweh. You and I were created for the most holy posture and position in all of eternity. And the Bible says that God has set eternity in the hearts of man, that man would seek God and know God for why man was ever created. You see, the cross was a part of not right. The cross is the starting point. The church has preached it's the end. We cross the line we're in. It's an amazing line to cross and it's an amazing message, but it's the starting point. And if you don't realize it's the starting point, that you're stuck at the cross. And so what is for you will never be realized because you're not looking for it. God never started with a problem. He never said, oh my goodness, there's a problem with mankind. He said, let us create them in our image, that they would be perfect as we are perfect. God starts with perfection. He doesn't start with the problem. So why does our message start with the problem? Because we don't know the promise. We don't know the promise to which we were called. See, when you know the promise, the problem is about that big. But see, when you don't know the promise, the problem is this big. So your focus is all about the problem. You see, what we do is we take the macro and we make it the micro, and we take the micro and we edify it as the macro. God doesn't start with problems. He starts with a promise, and you were given a promise. The day you received Christ, he gave you a promise was called a covenant which will end in a marriage and he said will you prepare yourself for an eternal marriage with me but you can't do it it's through power not words it's not through the ability to understand in the human intellect what I'm talking about it's through my power for the kingdom of God is not about words but power power to set the captive free power to renew the mind power to transform the one who is broken power to elevate you as you humble yourself I will exalt you through my power for my grace is sufficient for you completely and utterly to do a work in you of my power not words but the word thanks God see it's not about words it's about the word And yet man makes it about words. But it's about the word. Who's the word? It's all about Jesus. Yet so often, we make it all about us. 
We've got to make it about him. So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 4. I've had a phenomenal week this week. Not because I was in Cambodia, because God was speaking to me at 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the morning so powerfully. It's a beautiful thing when your body's out of sync. And you go to bed at 8 o'clock and you wake up at 3 o'clock thinking you're about to start the day, but everyone's still asleep. But how many people know he never sleeps? And he's waiting. He's always waiting. He's always present. He waits for us to get here. We don't have to invite him here. He waits. He waits for you wherever you are. He's in you, but he's waiting for you and me to just point our entire lives in his direction. He longs to share the things that are concealed. Did you know that? Did you know things that are concealed by God for you need to be revealed by the one who concealed them? Did you know that there is truth concealed? Did you know that? So are you going after the truth that's concealed? How do you go after truth that's concealed? Well, you are seeking you not for the one who concealed it to reveal it. What would be the outcome of that life? Absolute, abundant life. But it's not done by words. It's done by his power. It's not done through trying to study using your human intellect words on a page. It's done through the power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that conquered the grave is the same power that reveals Jesus to you and I. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to have fellowship with his power. I want to have fellowship with the word. I want to have fellowship with his sufferings. <laughs> you can't have fellowship with his sufferings unless you know him. And it's his power that brings you into the knowing of God, not your ability to try and come to know God. What a beautiful thing, while at the same time very frustrating. Almost annoying at times, but it's beautiful. And in the simplicity of the message is where life is found. The simplicity of God, the simple. God is so simple. His ways are simply beautifully beautiful. <laughs> so why is it so hard? Because we try and enter in through words. And we think if we study words, then we'll enter into the kingdom. But the Bible says, no, no, the kingdom is not about words. The kingdom is about power. Where is the kingdom of God right now? In you and I, Luke 17, 21. So if the kingdom of God is in us and the kingdom is about power, then we need to be receiving and living from the power of God for the kingdom of God to be established and formed. Yes? See why you've got to let your walls down. Relinquish the control 
Control is such a powerful thing. Trying to control the outcome. This is the natural. This is the flesh. The flesh tries to control the outcome. Why? So it can stay in control. You and I hate the thought of being out of control, don't we? But the power brings you under the control of the Holy Spirit. See, the fruit of the Spirit is the control, yes? One of the fruits is the control. It's not you trying to control yourself. It's you coming under the control of the Holy Spirit, under God. So as we come under and into this reality, we live with our spirit aligned. The flesh is no longer controlling us. The Spirit of God is. But that is done through God's power. You see, the born-again life is a life of power. The born-again life is a life that overcomes the flesh. Isn't that what the Bible says? 1 John 5 verse 4. For you were born to overcome the world, the flesh, every demonic stronghold. You were born to overcome that. Not by your ability, but by his power. Faith is the key. Paul said, I live by faith. Faith is the knowledge, the evidence of things unseen, realized, and then live from. Faith sees what already is, partakes of it, and then lives differently. You see, the church has got such a a long way to go in the maturing process. Can I be really honest? We're so babies. We really are babies. Infants in Christ. That's okay. Isn't it? It's okay to be a baby, isn't it? How many people heard pressure right there? How many people heard pressure? How many people heard you're not good enough when I just said we're babies? How many people got offended? I'm talking in general terms. And it's good and okay to be a baby. But we don't want to stay as babies. Why? Because there is a full life to be experienced and lived from, yes? God is looking for a mature bride, yes? He's not going to marry a two-year-old bride. If I took a two-year-old and married her, you would all have me and pin me down and say, Greg, what are you doing? That is so wrong. No, I married a woman. A mature woman, I didn't marry a two-year-old girl. I married a 26-year-old woman. Jesus is going to marry a mature bride that looks like him, acts like him, speaks like him, lives like him, loves like him. Isn't that the commandment? Why do you think he says, love me with all your heart? It's a commandment, isn't it? So you have to be able to see this in the Spirit to get the meaning and the understanding. You have to be able to receive the Word, the reality that sits behind the words. 
If you just look at words, you're going to get bamboozled. You have to go behind the words. The power of God will take you behind the words and into the word. Jesus. Then understanding comes. He opens the eyes of the blind man, Rochelle, to be able to see. No longer men that look like trees, but clarity of color. You see, we take that scripture and we go, yeah, it was about a physical blind man getting healed. Yes, it was. But do you know there's a greater truth sitting right behind it? As Paul spoke the other week, we only see in half, we see in shades. God wants to open our eyes to see in full color. That you would see, Paul prayed, I pray the eyes of your heart would be opened. What for? In the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of the word, the power of God, the truth. Why? So you would know the inheritance that is awaiting you. But it is done by the strength of God bringing you into the realm. For all things are possible with God, but not with man. This is exciting. If you're not excited by what I said, you might need to test your excitement measure in you. You might need to test it, the passion level. He's a passionate God looking for passionate people who are passionately in love. Where's the passion level on your meter today? He's trying to raise us up, lift us up. To believe in what the holy calling, the heavenly calling, Hebrews 3.1. For you were called for a heavenly calling. Come and hear about it tonight. Come and hear about the role of the apostle to declare it. Two hours. Someone said it felt like 40 minutes. See, when the truth is being proclaimed, time goes. God's outside of time. When, when words preach, time evaporates, man. It's like three hours. Where'd that go? But when you're in, time is long. Oh, man. Two hours. Mate. See, hearing the Spirit, seeing the Spirit, the Word, through His power, just brings abundant life. Listen to what Paul says. I'm going to read the whole thing. So 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1. <clears throat> Servants of Christ is how he entitles it. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Servants of the mysteries you want to know the mysteries? Is there anything inside of you that wants to know the mysteries of heaven? I hope so. Why? Because you were born for them. You were born to know the mysteries of heaven. You were born to comprehend with all the saints the love of God. You were born for greatness. You were born and chosen to experience the fullness of God. To not know that would be such a shame, wouldn't it? To only discover that at the end of your life when the time has gone. Wouldn't that be the most saddest thing a person could know? To look back and go, that was all for me in you. 
And it's too late. There's no promotion after physical death. Only judgment for reward for what you, how you've lived on the earth. Someone needs to get that. Did you hear what I said? There is no promotion after your physical life end. It's reward for how you lived in the physical. Unbelievable. The Father's returning with a reward. Are you interested in the reward? Not out of selfish motive, but because you love him. People say to me, oh, just as long as I get there, I'm happy. No. No. You know what that's like saying? Hey, Danielle, I know you as much as I want to know you. Thanks very much. I'm not interested to know any more about you. Thanks, but I really do love you with all my heart. That's what we're saying, guys. And God is hearing that. We're telling him, I don't, I'm not really interested. Why? Because I'm living for me. And it's too much of me to think about. So I'm not interested in more about knowing my wife. Or she's not more interested about knowing me. And there are mysteries that we are to discover about the Lord. Paul was the proclaimer of the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can look at that tonight and the reason for it. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. (laughs) This man, I love him. I love Paul. So grateful for the man. So grateful for what he demonstrates. I'm so grateful the life he lived. I'm so great that he points the way. I'm so grateful that a man in Christ can live beyond the earth and demonstrate things that are impossible but possible. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motive of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. Each man's praise will come to him who from? Not our praise to him, his praise to us. You better believe he's looking for a people that love him just as much as he loves us. See, God's love is never in question. His love's amazing. His love is the most incredible, transformative substance because it's himself a person can ever want to know and continue to know. It's never in question. So what we need to start doing as a church is hear what I'm saying Come off looking at God and let truth and love come on us and see where we're at in relation to what he's looking for. We keep talking about the love of God, the love of God, because it's right and it's good. But you know what it does? It keeps the mirror off us. So you can slide under the radar and never realize what love was formed to do because we're always looking at him, which is right 
But when you look at him, he goes, now look back at yourself and look at the mirror and see where you're at in relation to what I'm looking for. I'm not just looking for justified people. I'm looking for saved people. I'm looking for people who are saved in spirit, soul, body. I'm looking for a mature people, not people who just started and keep telling me how much they love them, but then don't allow the truth to shape them that they're able to say, I love you back with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you can hear what I'm saying. We are to preach the love of God because it's the love of God that transforms the person. But the purpose for love is to create love in our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So then we love Him back. So there's no longer this lopsided position. It's the two becoming one. I pray that you and the Father and me are one. I pray that the husband and the wife would become one. I pray grace and truth, which is a one position. Fruit of the Spirit, works of the Spirit are one. For the God is one. Can you hear what I just said? See, he then tells you, if you love other people more than me, you're not worthy. If you don't believe me, go read Matthew 10, 34 to 39. Jesus, in red letters, is telling the church what he's looking for. It does not mean he does not love you. He's not saying, I don't love you, Greg. He's saying, but if you love your wife and your children more than me, then you're not worthy of something. Okay, I'm just repeating the words of Christ. I'm not making this up. Go read the book. So the church has to then ask the question, what am I not worthy of? See, Paul came to declare the mysteries of God. It's a mystery. So God says, are you interested to go look at why you're not worthy? When my blood makes you worthy, but you're not worthy of something else. Is there anything in the church that is stirred up to go, hold on a minute? Or... Are we so consumed with our own lives that we go, don't get that, bit scary, don't care to get it, moving on. I may even get the twink and twink that one out. So when I come back to Matthew, I don't come across it. Oh, there it is in Luke. <laughs> I have to cross Luke out now, 14. Oh, there it is again in 1, 2 Corinthians 11. Oh, man, I've got to twink the whole Bible out. <laughs> we laugh, but it's what we do. It's what I did. I don't get it. And then we get afraid. And then we say we're condemned. And so we stay little. Don't come near me. I'm just doing enough to hang on. And God's like, please let your walls down. Turn to me and let me in. For I stand on the door of your heart and I knock. And that is not a message for the lost world like we've taught. He's talking to the church. What you're about to hear is an incredible reality for you and I. 
and a way of living. Okay, Prepare yourself right now. Do not hear condemnation. Hear conviction. Hear the reality that's for you and I and allow the truth to inspire you, not make you feel insecure. Because you're either going to make you feel insecure or inspired. It's going to go left or right. And I'm telling you to go right before I even say it. Inspire. Hear it through the Spirit and be inspired. Yes? Can I have your yes and your amen? All right, here we go. Verse 6. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one another against the other. See, when you're a person about words and trying to understand words, you become pharisaical, which is very arrogant, and you acquire words and you think you have a knowledge, but it's a false knowledge, so then you lord it over people. Don't become like the Pharisees. Don't become pharisaical. It's a spirit. It's not a fleshly thing. It's a spirit. It's a person of pride who thinks they know more than someone else. You can only ever see the log in your brother's eye, but you miss the log that's sticking out of your own eye. See, when you have logs in your eyes, you can't see. So you see what you think you see, but it's not necessarily accurate. So he's warning the Corinthian church. For who regards, verse 7, for who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive. Do you know why I've been banging on about operating systems? I'm going to continue to bang on about them. You do not have what you, what does it say? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? He didn't mess his words, man. He didn't give no message and pop it down so the flesh could be okay with it. He said it as it was. Now listen to this. You are already filled. You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that we also might reign with you. He's saying, you think you're in something. You think you're already it. I wish you were, actually. So then we could reign together. Now and the future. But you're not, but you think you are. This is what he's saying to the Corinthian church here. He's making it very explicitly clear that you think you've arrived. Why? Because you're people of words, not power. When you're a people of power, you know you're not arrived. And you know there's way more. And you know, like I said, the 1 Corinthians 8, do not think that you, um, it, it talks about, you know, don't think that, I'll paraphrase it, that you know it all, for there is more to know. Don't think more highly of yourself. Why? Because there's a reality that he's going to 
ask us and he's looking for us to live. So he's preparing them, okay? All right, verse 9. For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless. And we toil working with our hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. That's cool, eh? I'll read that again. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors or leaders in Christ, you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. You see, we're not all called to be apostles, but we are called to be apostolic. He's saying, this is the life I'm living. Then he invites you and says, imitate my life. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? The enormity of what I just said. The scum on people's shoe. Be that person. No way. No, I'm not being the scum on people's shoe. I'm the head, not the tail, remember? That's right, yep. Can you be like Christ? Can you walk in the manner in which Christ walked? Because we are mature. Babies can't live this out. This is mature meat. This is a life that's mature in Christ. What did I say he was looking for? A mature bride or an immature bride? See how we've been given a time slot in history to become a mature bride. But this will never be realized through words but by power. We're getting to this, this very scripture. But he's painting the picture for us to see this is the church of Jesus Christ. When you are reviled, bless. Aren't they the words of Christ? Isn't Paul just saying the words of Christ? So how are we getting on? (laughs) Don't ask that question, Greg. I don't want you to ask that question. Don't look under the hood. I don't want you to see the engines about to break down because I keep having to try and... Don't look under the hood. Just keep the veneer up. (laughs) But Jesus says, when you polish the inner, the outer takes care of itself. Don't you love how innate that is? 
If the person polishes the inner of the cup and the plate, the outside just naturally will flow from the reality of the inner world. So that's why you have to look at your inner world, your true state, under the microscope of grace, truth, and love, and allow the truth to shine into your true heart position, your true maturity in Christ, so you can grow. There's not much point teaching my daughter times tables if she doesn't know what one plus one is. But I don't want her to stay on one plus one. I want her to understand calculus. But in time. And he's saying, here's how I want to see a church. This is an end time church, guys. God is building a church for the end times. Do you know when the end time started? 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago in the last days. So I'm looking and I want to be part of a mature bride who's able to live like they're called to live. Why? Because I'm selfish and I want to experience a love from heaven. I'm real selfish in this area. I want to be part of a family that is a family. Not just a bunch of people that turn up week in, week out, don't know one another, give some money, disappear, maybe do some stuff, but we're not a family. Do you want to be part of a family? So we are a family, it's growing, but I mean a real, real family. So does Jesus. Jesus wants that for you and I. He wants us to be so unified that a lost world sees us and goes, Jesus was sent for them. Yes. See, these are the mysteries of God. But they're simple, but powerful. And you won't come in through words. You come in through surrender, weakness. Paul's going, imitate me. As I imitate the Father, he said, but you know what? You've got all these tutors or leaders, but not many fathers that will tell you what you need to hear. You've got a whole lot of people that will tell you a whole lot of stuff, but only a father will tell you what you really need to hear. Only a mum will tell you what you really need to hear, yes? Why? Because fathers aren't afraid to get a punch in the face. And mothers aren't afraid because they love their child beyond behavior. Why? Because they see their child in the future. They see who their child's going to be. So they tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. You see, you've got a whole lot of leaders. They'll tell you everything. Why? Because it's about them. And it's about their empire. And it's about them looking good. And it's about them having this thing that represents me, but it's not really of me. But fathers, there ain't many of those guys. So here's the challenge for you and I. Are you ready for it? Will you allow a father or a mother to bring you a building word, not a blessing word? Will you allow someone to bring a word that builds you, doesn't just bless you? They are radically different things. They're both right. See, Paul was a man that blessed, but he was a man that built. Not he didn't do the building. God, through the grace and the gift on his life, was part of the building process. But we all want blessing words. They're right. 
A blessing word is a prophetic word that speaks of a future reality for you and you get blessed by it. In two years' time, I see you going to ABC or doing this. Wow, that's amazing. Yes, it is, and it's of the Lord. Now you need a father to come beside you or a mother and walk with you and speak building words into you to build you up in Christ. For Jesus builds his church through a fivefold gifting. Why? So you don't sabotage the blessing word. No, 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 I'm okay. I'm just going to do this on my own. Eh. Wrong choice, contestant number two. (laughs) See, God wants to bless. The whole book is a blessing, prophetic book. Let me tell you another one. I have chosen you to sit with me on my throne in heaven for eternity to those who overcome. There's a prophetic blessing word of a future reality for all of us here. Now, what do you need? Now you need a building word. Oh, that's where the builder comes and says, okay, let's have a look at the foundation. Yep, okay, we've started slightly off skew. We need to do some surgery. You need to let down your wall. In fact, you need to submit. Can you sign this form so we could do some surgery? Can you give your consent? Signs the form. Okay, the surgeon, the wise master builder, goes with this knife and he goes, mm, okay, let's open him up, have a look. Oh, yep, okay, there's a bit of bitterness. There's a bit of, okay, yeah, no, oh, there's a bit of pride in there. Actually, it's quite a bit of pride in there. <laughs> There's a whole lot of good stuff too. There's work going on. It's awesome. Yep, okay, got it. Awesome. Let's stitch him up. Comes back to life. Wow, look at that. Freedom, man. What was that? No longer think of myself. Living for him now. Why? Because a building work went on in Jay's heart and his mind because he let himself be built. See, God blesses you to build you. What? Into the image of his son. Why? Because he's looking for a bride. And she will be mature. And she will live like Jesus. The great commandment is the starting point. The scriptures are full of... We didn't have time. I could spend a whole week and just unpack scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. So you could do a join the dots... And if you did all the join the dots of the scriptures, you know what you'd have left with in the picture? And? This is just another way of saying it. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy. Who else has he sent? Who else was sent, though? Who did he send first? No, yes. Sorry. Yes, he did. But who's a major player? Major, major, major player that was sent? Jesus! The author, the perfecter of our faith. Thank you. He sent Jesus. Then he sent who else? Major player. Part of the three. 
part of the Liverpool's top three players. Woo! It's no longer Coutinho, Firmino and Lalana. It's God, Holy Spirit and Jesus. The top three. Go away. He's the top three. Sent from heaven for a good time or to lead you and I into all of truth. You know what he said to me during the week? Man, I'm trying not to get to tonight. And she said, don't go tonight. But here's this thing. Yeah, I'll keep it under wraps. You have to come out tonight. Sent is powerful. I'm going to keep going. He sent Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways in Christ. Just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I shall find out, not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod, or with love, and a spirit of gentleness? What would God say to you today? Do you want the rod? Or do you want the spirit of gentleness? He's saying this to the church. Do you want me to come in this form or in this form? Why? Because he can see the true state. And he's teaching the true state. Because he's saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Why? Because this is what you look like, but you already think you are. Because you've made it about this and not about this. So he's clearly defining something for the Corinthian church as to where they're at. And then he says the kingdom is not about words, but it's about the true demonstration of my life. Christianity is not about words or tradition, ceremony, niceties. It is about the demonstration of Jesus Christ in you, through you. When I say you, I mean me. Can we agree on that? That Christianity, I'll say it again, is about the demonstration, the evidence of a changed life in a person coming through a person. Paul, who wrote this, his life is the demonstration of God's power. Not the preaching of Paul. Not the miracles of Paul. The man's life. Before he ever did a miracle, before he ever spoke, the demonstration of God's power is the man's life. Saul to Paul. Why? Because he received the gospel. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, isn't it? Not just a justified position, justified sanctification, glorification. The gospel, not the words of the gospel, the gospel, Jesus himself, is the power. How do you receive the gospel? In words? Only? How did you receive the gospel? In words only, in mental agreement? Or have you received the gospel in words, power, 
Holy Spirit, full conviction. That's how the Thessalonians received the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. Go have a look. You see, it's so simple, but it's so profound. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because in it, the righteousness of God has been revealed by faith to faith. I know how right I am in God. What through? The gospel. And I'm going from one measure of the righteousness that I know from faith to faith. What is faith again? Faith is the evidence, the substance of what you know in God. It is not this wishy-washy, hopeful thing that comes through. Faith is the absolute evidence of things unseen. Yes? Thank you. It's the evidence of things unseen. It's the knowledge of the unseen that becomes seen. See why we need to know the power, not words? What I'm saying is the truth from heaven. Okay, right now I'm telling you the truth revealed from power, not words. There's a reality, guys, to be realized and discovered in God, in you. And the gospel, which is the power unto salvation, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. What did Paul say? Did he say, I'm a man of persuasive words? What did he say? I'm a man of power, of demonstration. Why? So your faith would not rest on man, but on God. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 8. He's clearly articulating the reality for the church. He's saying, all I know... Don't look at the bird. See how easy we are distracted? Oh, what was that? What was that? Guys, the word of God just got declared out of my mouth, and we're looking at birds. It's not a game. This is life and death. This is eternal reward or not. I can't give you the urgency. I really wish I could. Because I have been found in this place too. I was arrested from this place eight years ago. And need to continually be. Because my flesh is wicked. And God wants to set me free through the power of his word to bring me into a reality that's for me so I won't be asleep and be dead in myself to what is proclaimed to the world. The gospel went out. It's going out. And it will set the captive free. It will bring the church to life if one has ears to hear this message and the entire message of the gospel. I don't preach Christ, anything than Christ, Christ crucified. Why? Because I've realized, I've actually come to the realization that all of life sits behind those two things. I used to be a man of persuasive language. I used to be a man that could write. I used to be a man that was studying. I'm no longer that man. Why? Because I have come into life through the gospel, the power of God to set the captive free. That's where I'm going to close. Did all right today.
43 minutes. No, no, not, not what I said, my time. 43 minutes. <laughs> Better than two hours. But in all seriousness, come on. Can you hear the urgency of my heart? <sighs> Guys, he's shaking the church. He's coming. He's coming. It's not about when. Sorry, it's not about yeah, when, but why. He's coming. You've... It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. God is not against you. He is for you. But you've got to let the walls down. You've got to let them in. You've got to relinquish. It's for you, for you, for you, for everyone up there. It's for you. But you can stop what's for you. You can resist what's for you. Please don't. Please, please, on behalf of God, I feel God is urging you through me today to say, please don't resist me. Why? Because I love you, I am for you, and I have a full measure, the fullest measure. I see your brokenhearted. I see your true state. I see your pain. I see your disillusionment. I see your frustration. I see your lack. I see it all. And as a heavenly father, I am here to pick you up and to, by my power, do a work so deep in you that you would run. And you would not look back, that you would run, not walk, run. You would run a good race. You would run in alignment to me. You would not look to the right or to the left, but you would see straight ahead because you can see thousands of years into the future and see her. You can see the purpose for her because I have given you eyes to see and ears to hear all that God has prepared for the church to those who love him. But something's got to give. It's called you. So please, hear the urgency. Don't hear frustration. I'm not frustrated. You sound so frustrated. I'll tell you, I'm not frustrated. I've got it in my heart just to say something. You've got all this inside you. Don't be limited by time. Can you set down what's busting inside of you? onto a tape that we can hear during the week. I'm busting. Okay. We're busting. See that book? Yes. Read it. Yes. It's in but the book. You said you could speak a whole week. I like could. This. But I, I thank, thank Do you know you. what I mean? Don't be bound by time. I'm, I, okay, I'm not. But God yeah. said put it in a book so they yeah. can eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it. Mm. Ask him to reveal the book. That's why I wrote the book. I'm going to. Thank okay, you. thank you though. That's very encouraging. Eat it. Father, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Thank you. Father, thank you, Lord, that you do love us with such a passion that it hurts you at times. And so, God, I just pray this morning we'd hear the call, that we'd hear the cry of your heart. We'd hear who you're calling us to be. Lord, you died and rose that we would receive the fullness, that we would grow into the full stature to a knowledge of you that would just be bursting out of us, that we would be the resource, the wellspring of life for you on the earth and for a lost world, for like the man we prayed for today, that he would know that salvation was in Christ because of the church, because the light of the church, the light of the world would be so bright 
And so thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the invitation to this life. And I pray with all of our heart, today is the day of the salvation that we would seek it. I pray you would stir us. And I pray in the innermost being that something in us would awaken right now to the power of your substance of your son, Jesus. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.